4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Lots of rule changes discussed. Not many implemented by the NFL. Our football frenzy at 4 o'clock. A little feedback on the uh, number change. You saw this yesterday, right? It's going to be a little more open around the NFL, which positions can wear which range of numbers. Mm -hmm. Did Tom Brady explain? I I still haven't found a real explanation of why Tom Brady thinks this could be bad for football. I didn't really understand the outrage, like at all, what the problem was in terms of his complaint. Like all he said was good luck trying to block the right people now, going to make bad for a lot of – so I guess he's saying that you'll get confused as a player. So if a defensive lineman is number eight, it's going to jack up the left tackle or a guard? <laughs> like, no, that's a DB. I'm good. That 300-pound right, monstrosity, right, right. that's a DB. I don't have to worry about him. That's your responsibility. Is he suggesting there could be some trickeration on offense with reporting and you know eligible receivers? Maybe that's the case? Maybe. I, I sure. I, again, I, I want to learn. Um, like I'm not even really sure why the NFL limited what numbers guys could wear and why college football is more open to it. Right. I mean, he put out a couple of things on social media. He also said, like, why not let the linemen wear whatever they want to? Why have numbers, just have colored jerseys? Why not wear the same number? Dumb. I, I just, I, I, it sounds like his argument is that you might get confused. But I would say I can kind of tell the difference between Indomitian Sue and, like, a Marshawn Lattimore, for example. It's a weird deal. Were you disappointed they didn't put in the crazy Ravens idea about overtime? No, you, you want to know what I was really disappointed in? The taunting thing? Yeah. That's going to be a nightmare. So I, The last thing we need are officials having to deal with more subjectivity. Right. So for those who don't know what I'm talking about, the NFL decided to include taunting among its points of emphasis for 2021. Now, the emphasis is not going to be directed at celebrations, but toward acrimonious interaction among players, we have enough flags as it is. And that's so subjective. You realize how many flags we're going to see in those interactions? It's going to be a nightmare. Like, for that to be the point of emphasis, when there's a lot of other issues with this league and the rules, come on, man. Do you think they'll go after coaches? Because I can think of one offender who could get flagged often. Sean Payton. Oh, yeah. He's pretty exuberant. Yeah. No, he is, yeah. What happens when Payton gets flagged for something like this? What happens when one of Payton's guys gets flagged? I just I wonder what coaches and what execs were in support of this. And when reality hits and you've got, again, the officials have proven, many of them, going back to college football, I remember how ridiculous it got there, they've proven that they really should not be judge, jury, and executioner about emotion on the field. Mm-hmm. And what is a taunt and what is not. Right? I mean, we... Listen, in the booth, we heard Joe Buck have a conniption and a heart attack because Randy Moss did a fake moon. Right. And that's sort of where a lot of the officials are, where they'd be like, whoa, what's going on here? What does that mean? What does that gesture mean? That's got to be offensive. Flag. Nope. Last thing we need, man. Last thing we need. We don't need officials trying to police the emotion of the game. And how about the the rule? And, again, like these are things that I want to educate myself more on. 
But, like, the rule that now if you complete two passes behind the line of scrimmage, it's going to force a loss of downs? So, like, the trickeration, things like that? Like, wh- why? Who is complaining about that? Other than teams so, who were consistently getting burned on plays like so that. So, the little flip pass? Yeah. Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, Mahomes to Kelsey? But it would be two passes. So, it would be like I'm saying. Yeah, one and then another, like another end around coming back and then a two. Right, like two. I don't love that one. Right, or like the famous. Uh, the one defended, that comes, that's it, defended. Right, the famous one that comes to my mind is the Tom, like the Patriots used to run it all the time, where you run the fake bubble screen and then you throw it back out to Brady who's on the other side. Right. You know what I mean? Something so, like that. So then throw it downfield. Bizarro. Did I, did I get the interpretation of that wrong? Yeah. So it, By it saying would be, the flip pass? Right, yeah. So that would be one completed pass, but right. it's one of those where it's like fake bubble screen to Edelman who pump fakes but then throws back to Tom Brady who's on the other side who would then throw downfield ah, okay. to a wide receiver. Right. We've seen those plays a couple of times. So let's not have fun. Let's not be creative. Right. Because there are coaches in the league who are like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Weird deal, man. All right, we're going to check in with Curtis Terry on college basketball. Is uh, Boy, the transfer portal, this is crazy. Uh, I feel like there's been like 500 guys out of the transfer portal picking schools. There's still 1,425 in. And good players continue to go in all the way up to this morning. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Curtis Terry's with us here on a Thursday live from Silver Sevens. Curtis, this is such a weird time. We're talking late April, and I don't I, – I know this. I don't remember a college basketball world that was this busy. And like, I feel like we still have another month and a half of this. There are still 1,400 players in the transfer portal, and like established guys keep going in even up the last couple of days. Yeah, the college basketball world has turned upside down. And like you mentioned, I mean, 1,200, 1,400 guys. I mean, you and I and probably the, I mean, the everyday basketball college basketball fan can probably only recognize in terms of their names, maybe 100 of them. Um, there's probably just a ton of guys that are in there that um, are trying to find a change. But it's, it's, it's interesting to say the least. Obviously, it's worked out well for, for some schools. They've been able to grab some recruits to kind of fill some spots. Obviously, Coach Kevin Kruger's been able to do that with his group here and kind of rebuild his, war, his roster via the portal. Uh, but I just I wonder how long this thing is going to kind of drag on, uh, how far into the summer that is. It's Curtis Terry on Cofield and Company. All right, well, we're going to get to the transfer portal and some of the guys who've moved. We're going to get to UNLV rebuilding the roster and what they can still do. But let's talk about your bro and the Arizona program. You're very tight to Arizona. Jason Terry played at Arizona. He was just an assistant last year. You know, the speculation was, uh, you know, coach from the outside. He's not an Arizona family guy. What's going to happen to Jason Terry? But as it turns out, your brother's back, and so is uh, Durango High's Jack Murphy. Yeah, I mean, congrats to, to Tommy Lloyd for getting that job. Obviously, the uh, the brass at charge at Arizona made a decision to go with a, a longtime Mark Few assistant at Gonzaga who's had a ton of success up there under him um, and, and decided to go outside the Arizona family. I was one that said they wanted to, to look to keep it in the Arizona Wildcat family. Um, they didn't go with the head job, but I think it, it does bode well for the for the Wildcat alumni um, and for those those former players and those future Wildcats to have some guys that have ties to Tucson. That being, again, uh, Jack Murphy, uh, Durango High grad, like you mentioned, and as well as my brother Jason Terry, to keep those guys in there. I think they can serve as a bridge for some of those guys that may feel a little slighted that they didn't go with the Wildcat. 
But I think it does it does say a lot about Tommy Lloyd to be able to keep some of those guys around because I think he understands the tradition behind the University of Arizona basketball program. Take us behind the curtain without naming names, but had your brother started look, you know looking around? Was he fielding calls? Uh, you know, was his future absolutely going to be in college basketball this coming year if Arizona didn't re up with him? I, you know, peeking behind the curtains, I think it was just a little bit of mystery. Obviously, he did have the, the opportunity to interview for the head job. He did not get it. Uh, but that is his sixth head coaching, college coaching head job. Oh, really? Uh, since 2016, when he first interviewed at UAB um, during the NCAA Final Four in Houston, when he was still playing for the Rockets. So this is his sixth one. So he's going through it. He's gaining more and more experience. And the thing that he's hearing is you just don't have that college coaching experience, let alone the head coaching experience. So I think he's going to continue uh, to build that resume. And that's obviously what his goal wants to be. I think he could always make that jump back to broadcasting um, or back to the NBA coaching. But like we've met, talked about before, he wants to impact these young guys at this key points um, of their life to help them become young men to men. Um, but I think that's something that he's always kind of been on the look for. And I think like everybody in every every career path, you're kind of keeping your ears open to see what may be out there. You're going to field some calls here and there. But I do know that Jason and his family are happy and excited to be staying in Tucson. So let's talk about some of the latest additions to Kevin Kruger's squad as he fills things out. He still has uh, two or three openings, and we'll talk about what they can do with those openings. But uh, late last week, uh, they get a big man from Lamar, a big block shot guy, a high percentage shooter inside. So what are they looking at with this recruit? Oh, man, we're going to have some guys are going to play some defense this year. I think from last year we talked about there were some guys on the team that had some defensive lapses that weren't committed to guarding the ball. Uh, but what you see in terms of what he's added with the guys from Texas, um, obviously uh, the recruit that they got from Oklahoma, and then you, you add in David Muoko from Lamar, who was the Southland Conference Defensive Player of the Year at 6'10", that can block shots, shoots high field goal percentage inside. Um, with Mbake leaving, I think he's going to fill that void and then give you some more in terms of his overall athleticism and skill set. Um, but so I think defensively off the top, Kevin and his staff have put together a team that's going to compete defensively in the Mountain West Conference, and that's going to be able to get them jump started to get some defense turning into offense. Justin Webster, guard in from Hawaii. He's uh, the highest scorer coming over at 12.3 points per game. So what do you hear about him? Uh, and same thing with Justin Webster. And this is, this is a kid that's originally from Dallas. Um, and so now either it's Carlin Hartman with his recruiting ties or if it's uh, uh, Brandon Chappelle and his ties to, to the Houston-Dallas area from his time at Lamar and being a Texas um, native, they're able to, to get some of these impact players. And obviously Justin Webster averaged over 12 points a game at Hawaii, was their leading scorer, um, shot the highest field goal percentage, high three, highest three-point percentage, played the most minutes on their team. So this is a guy that's going to make be able to come in and make an impact right away. His role is probably going to increase here in terms of offensively. But I do know one thing, like you mentioned, that Kevin is looking to build his team from the inside out with guys that are tough, that are hard-nosed, are going to play defense and look to get some easy baskets because I know that me and John Sandler on the course of the season during broadcast, we were talking about how the Rebels don't get easy baskets. They didn't get a lot of live ball turnovers to a lot of runouts. Um, they didn't get a lot of putbacks um, in terms of crashing the offensive glass. So I think with the roster that you're constructing here with guys that are bigger, longer, more athletic, and just stronger, you're going to be able to get some of those easy baskets. And then you can build your offense up to match the skill set of the guys that you've got. Um, but with that said, they still got a couple more spots to fill. So it'll be it'll be fun to see what they do. Yeah, it's interesting. The other thing I think they need to establish is now you're going to have this new mix of players. You're going to have to have some leaders emerge because leadership at times last year was lacking. Uh, if Marvin Coleman comes back and he's effective, he's clearly a leader. I wonder what they get out of from a personality standpoint. Uh, Donovan Williams, who was a, a four-star guy, he was at Texas. This is going to sound strange, but I was I was looking at some video of Hunter Salas, who's going to Gonzaga, and I was just watching some pickup ball 
with Donovan Williams, and he had an edge to him just playing pickup. Um, and I just I wonder if you've heard anything about him in terms of the personality and and who may emerge, you know, as leaders as the you know the top two or three leaders along with Marvin. And that's going to be the interesting part about how this team kind of gels and their cohesion coming together as a unit. And I do know, I think they're trying to get these guys in here uh, in June for that uh, first full summer session of summer school that's going to start up. So that way they can get as many of these guys in here as soon as possible so they can start have time learning each other, learning the coaching staff um, and just learning how they're going to compete as a team. Um, But like you mentioned with Donovan Williams, a guy that's that's very athletic, a guy that's going to have some some grit, some dog in him. And I think that's what the Rebels have been missing the last couple of years. Some guys that just aren't, downright just in love with the game and breathe it, sleep it, eat it 24-7. And some guys that will go out there and kind of take your lunch money on the court. And I think that's what you're going to get with a guy like Donovan Williams. Um, And obviously some of these other guys, but it's going to be interesting to see who emerges as that leader. Now with Marvin still in the fold, now depending on his health, we've already seen that whether Marvin's on the court or off the court, he's a guy that's passionate, that's prideful about UNLV basketball. And if anything, his voice is going to be heard. He's going to be able to kind of lead these guys and get them somewhat marching in the same direction. Is it too simple to look at who they've brought in and go, come on now, Kevin Kruger and staff, you got to have a couple more guys you bring in who are scorers somewhere else. You know, we're averaging seven, eight points a game, 15 points a game. Because uh, it does look like right now, in, you know, unless you're, you're, uh, your big 12 guys come in and they immediately go to, you know, seven, eight, 10 points a game, like they really emerge, do they need some more natural scorers brought in from the portal? You, I, I could argue both sides of that of, of that stance right there. And I think the big thing that you're going to see here is with Jordan McKay, that's a guy that started a, lot, a ton of games at, at West Virginia, a guy that can shoot the ball, and that's kind of creative off the bounce. Uh, but not just him. Like you mentioned, Donovan Williams, um, Justin Webster, guy that's going to score. I think you're going to get enough guys that just didn't have the opportunity to succeed at their previous stops but played a ton of minutes. Um, that played in the Big 12 that were competitive leagues that were, if they were given more minutes, um, more shots, they would have probably had more success. And I think they're going to be able to gain that now here in Vegas with the running Rebels. So I think you're going to see some of these guys that were lingering at four or five points a game be able to jump to those double digits. Um, and you're not going to need a, just a pure score to come in that was averaging, say, 16 somewhere else to come in here and try to elevate those guys. I really do think it's going to be a by committee effort. And I think that's what's going to be able to kind of set this foundation or reset the foundation for the running Rebel basketball program in terms of what Coach Kevin Kruger is trying to do. I'm still looking at that Oklahoma roster. A bunch of guys went into the portal. A couple are going to test the the NBA waters. We saw uh, one of the kids uh, move on to North Carolina. Jalen Hill is a local. I still wonder if there's anything there that can be plucked from the Oklahoma roster. You know, you you like to think so. Uh, but the one thing, I mean, you do bring in Porter Moser, who's a coach who had a ton of success yeah. um, at, at Loyola. And so it's... it's I mean, you're at Oklahoma, um, Power 5 school. Um, their budget is beyond a budget um, in terms of what they do in terms of facilities. Um, they obviously have a Jordan brand deal. Um, that's that, Those kinds of things are big to kids these days. Um, and then Porter Moser, a guy that where you're, you're looking, just like with Kevin, if you bring in a coach and you say, hey, I've had success somewhere else, um, buy into it. You want to be here, be around with what I'm going to do and kind of and, and be the, the bridge to continue what Coach Kruger and you guys had built here before. Uh, I think he's going to be able to, ha- to have a chance to keep some of the guys. Obviously, Kirk Kuwait is, I think, a guy that's going to leave and kind of made that be known he's going to look to go professional uh but i mean jalen hill like you mentioned that's another local guy from vegas i i would think naturally that unlv would have a shot at him just because of kevin Kruger's recruiting ties when he was the one that plucked that kid from vegas to go to norman 
but but time will tell. And I do and I do know that Kevin's not going to kind of rush the gun in terms of his decisions. He's not going to go out there and try to do something brash and do something crazy just to get something to happen or make a splash. He's very methodical about how he approaches things, let alone recruiting. And he's going to put together this team the right way with the right pieces so they can be successful, not just to grab headlines. Yeah, Porter Moser's come into Oklahoma and made some waves already. Uh, he landed uh, Jordan Goldwire who actually was a Marvin Menzies recruit, and then out of nowhere, Duke came in, and they offered Goldwire, and he went to Duke, and he was a pretty solid player for Duke. And uh, Eastern Washington's big Tanner Groves committed to Oklahoma, so uh, Moser's been pretty effective so far. Yeah, my wife was upset when she saw that Tanner was going to Oklahoma. Because yeah. my wife's an EWU grad. She played oh, college okay. basketball at Eastern Washington. And she it came across the ticker on ESPN. She was like, no, Tanner, not <laughs> Oklahoma. Obviously, if Long was there, it would have been different feelings. Uh, but knowing that those guys aren't there anymore, she was uh, hoping he'd either stay there or obviously she wants him to become a rebel. <laughs> Curtis Terry's with us, former rebel, does radio. Uh, he is the analyst on the uh, radio call. All right, let's look around the country and look to the top of the rankings and you know preseason rankings are already out which is kind of crazy there's so many impact players still available but UCLA most people have him in the top five next year but that was with Johnny Juzang you watch him play is I'm not going to say is he ready for the NBA because I feel like no one is when they first come out is he a first rounder yeah yeah it depends on what team is picking and I think Johnny Juzang is, is a great player obviously I think he had um, a kind of under the radar season um, over the course of the regular season. He blew up, obviously, in terms of what he did in the NCAA tournament and throughout their run t- uh, to the Final Four. Uh, the, the thing about Johnny Juzang, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be like a late first rounder. I don't think they see tons of oozing potential from him like they do with some of these younger kind of one and done guys, a la Jalen Suggs, um, maybe even Moses Moody and guys like that. Uh, but I think he's going to be a guy to where if you get drafted to a team that, that's in the playoffs that makes a deep run that usually gets those kind of 24 through 30 picks, you're going to fall into an organization where you don't have to come in and have a ton of weight on your shoulders right away. You can learn, you can develop, um, and, and kind of be groomed to be the piece that they need and then blossom into a very good professional player. Uh, but I think it's going to be interesting what Johnny Juzang is going to do. But I like how he went about it. He says, I'm going to put my name in, and I think rightfully so. He's earned that to kind of get that feedback to see where he needs to go from there. And if he gets the right feedback, then com- commit to keeping his name in there. But if not, he's got the ability by not signing with an agent to bring, retain his eligibility to come back to UCLA. And then if so, Mick Cronin's got a team that's going to be stacked. What kind of player is uh, Gonzaga commit Chet Holmgren, number one player in the country? Uh, unique, unique. A guy who wants to face the basket, has handle, seven foot one. What do you think of Chet Holmgren? And I'm a fan of Chet Holmgren. I think that over the first the last few years, I wasn't as big on him. I think he needed to to kind of continue to fill out. His skill set was a little raw. Um, but I think a word that pops into mind that people are kind of using to describe whether it's basketball players or football players, just athletes in general that have a crazy tool, uh, skill set and multiple tools in their bag is like a unicorn. And I think that kind of fits him in terms of what he can do inside, outside. He can pass. He can dribble. He can shoot. He can defend. He can block shots. Um, I think he's going to be a perfect fit at Gonzaga with what Coach Few is going to do there obviously they keep drew timmy and they've got some other pieces that they're bringing in um julian strother obviously is there a local las vegas guy so if julian was able to learn in the course of playing behind Corey kispert and jalen suggs this past year you can kind of plug him in they're going to be right back to where they were this past year uh, but i think it's going to be it's going to be big on chet holmgren to be able to kind of elevate but also to take some of that pressure off drew timmy because if he can that's going to open up the game even more so for drew timmy because you saw against baylor in that national championship that's where he got bogged down because he just didn't have enough room to operate and Julian Strother shouldn't worry about Holmgren Mm, I think he's going to play the four but essentially being a small forward plus Nemhard is back 
again, I think it's based on that development. I think it depends on how much Julian was able to develop over the course of the season. I know he got some pretty solid minutes early in the season and throughout the course of the regular season. In the tournament, he was basically non-existent. Uh, but that goes to show that they had veterans. They had guys they were going to ride with those guys till the wheels fell off. So I think it just depends on the development Julian was able to make, but then also the development Julian can make in the course of this summer going into next season in terms of being more able to play off the bounce, uh, continue to knock down his shot, be more of a playmaker um, and, and impact the game in, in multiple facets. That's going to be um, his bread and butter to see kind of where he sticks with this roster going forward for the Zags. In conference, New Mexico's made some waves. Instant backcourt, Jamal Mashburn Jr., who's got a ton of upside. And uh, then the Arizona State transfer, uh, Jalen House. What do you think? Patino making waves. Yeah, it's Patino. It's a Patino thing to do to come in uh, to New Mexico uh, with this with this cherry red blazer to make some waves at the press conference <laughs> to bring in some recruits right away. Um, but we're going to see what's going to happen. I think they're going to. They obviously they had some some serious issues this past year with COVID, with guys leaving, um, with the firing of their coach uh, right going into the to the conference tournament. Um, and so I think just like with anybody, when you bring in a new coach, it's how quickly you can get your guys to buy in, whether they were there, whether they're new guys transferring in or first time recruits. And so Rick, and Coach Richard Patino is going to have a job on his hands to be able to put this group together because we all know the fan base in Albuquerque for their Lobos is unique. It's very special. And when the pit is able to be packed and that place is rocking, they can have a lot of magic down there. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what he can do, just transition over. And, and, and I think the big thing that stands out is how are coaches going to handle this offseason in terms of the workouts with guys that are leaving, guys that are coming, with the transfer portal, when do you use your eight hours a week, uh, eight hours a month, and, and kind of how these different things pan out um, is going to be interesting to see kind of how coaches put these rosters together because this offseason is going to be their first offseason in two years. Curtis Terry's with us. Last one, uh, Bryce Hamilton still in the portal. Why do you think it's taken him so long to make a decision? He's got some really interesting uh, interesting schools who've come at him. I mean, we're talking all parts of the country, elite programs like Oregon, Illinois, Kentucky. Ooh, Chris Beard apparently has made a call to uh, maybe get Bryce to Texas. So I'll rephrase the question. Is this a Bryce decision or is Bryce waiting in line to see what others do before him? Because he, he may not be the top choice at a lot of these schools or maybe a pecking order. Yeah, and, and I think that's the one thing, that, and we talked about this before with Bryce in, in terms of if you transfer to a bigger conference, Power 5 conference with a team that's had a lot of success, where do you fit into their puzzle? Are you just a piece to accentuate what they've already got, or are you going to be one of the main guys? Um, and it, it depends on if your game is going to fit in with that. For me personally, I probably would have took it as the approach of waiting to make that decision to – Put your name in the transfer portal to kind of see where things play out after getting that feedback from the NBA um, in, in terms of putting your name into the draft. Uh, because once you put your name in, it, you've got to have a plan. You've got to be able to know, like, these are the schools I'm going to be looking at and be ready to make that commitment, and kind of pull that trigger uh, to make that jump. But I don't know when Bryce is going to do it. Is it going to be soon? Is it going to be late? But I think the longer that you stay in there, I think some some thoughts are maybe going to float into your head of kind of being unsure of what to do and which way to go. But now that you made the commitment to go into the portal, um, it's up you to, to make big boy decisions. Um, and best of luck to Bryce in terms of where he ends up if he does not stay a running rebel. Man, I think we have a couple more weeks of college basketball talk at a minimum, at a minimum. Uh, and the funny thing is when you and I were talking about uh, doing our weekly spot, I was like, well, once college basketball ends, we'll start doing NBA in like the middle of April. We're like, we can't get to it. <laughs> college basketball is crazy. Like I said at the start of the conversation, it feels like 300 players have already come out, maybe more of the transfer portal, and we're still at 1425. So back to your point about Kevin Kruger being patient. I mean, it pays. You, you don't know who's available. I'm sure they're in on, you know, 
10 plus players and are kind of waiting, you know, to see where things fall. Yeah, you're waiting for those first dominoes to kind of fall. Some pieces have, uh, there's going to be other pieces that do fall. But I think the one thing is important. A lot of these coaches don't want to get caught without a scholarship if you get into May. Um, Or once school gets out, then you might have some guys that say, ooh, I did graduate. I'm going to move on. Or I've got enough credits to get accepted to another school. Then if you get caught with your pants down and you don't got that scholarship to offer a kid, then what do you do? So it's not always it's not always wise to make your decisions too early. Uh, but this college basketball season is going to draw out far into the beginning of the summer. And next thing you know, uh, they'll be dropping the lights and lighting off the fireworks. The Thomas and Mac will be getting back to basketball. There he is, Curtis Terry, the former Rebel, and he is the analyst for UNLV Radio covering the running Rebels. Today's conversation is brought to you by our big draft contest in the NFL, Drafting for Doe Contest. It's brought to you by the DeHart team and No Home Loans. We're giving out $1,000 in cash and a gift card to the Raiders Image Store, a $250 gift card. And all you got to do is make the right selections for the top 17 picks in the NFL draft to get in. It's free, free, free. You go to lvsportsnetwork.com, pick the first 17 picks, and you have a chance to win $1,000 in cash and 250 bucks from the Raiders Image Store. It's a gift card. Check it out, lvsportsnetwork.com. Thanks to the DeHart team and Nova Home Loans. Your picks must be in by Wednesday, April 28th. The site to get in, lvsportsnetwork.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. For Dustin DeHart's Club 99, back to Steve Cofield. Live at Silver Sevens. Tracking what's going on in the uh, sports world. One baseball final is in, John. Sort of a shootout. (laughs) A little bit. 14-11. And that one. What happened to the good old days of baseball? What happened you know to my what? 3-2 finals? You know what's funny? I don't – listen, I don't track the numbers like you do. Uh, what has been the trend in baseball in terms of over-unders and, and home runs and runs so far? It, it feels to me like it's been lower, but there never has been some crazy games like today, 14-11 to 11 in, that, uh, in that game, the Arizona game against Cincinnati. And then, you know, what was it? Yesterday we had the, the crazy game with Oakland and Minnesota. So I know that unders, and this is from a couple of days ago, so don't quote me on where it's at right now. A couple of days ago, unders had a slight edge. We're talking like 53 52%. Um, and I know that, you know, in like reading articles about the baseball, because it seems like they have done something to the baseball, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about like exit velocity being up, but home runs are down, on-base percentage being down. So for the most part, it's kind of been a little lower scoring, but it's early and we could expect this to pop at any minute. More on the gambling front coming up. I'm going to get you updated on the NFL prop bets here at William Hills. We've got the sports book across the way. All right, Club 99. By the way, I'm also going to give you some Oscar odds because that's creeping up on us real quick. Ugh. I don't want to rate this young lady, but should I feel bad for Danica Patrick? Why? Well... And from what we hear, she's the one who wanted to get hitched with Aaron Rodgers. With uh, who was the driver she was with before that? And I think he was like, "Nah, hit the bricks." <laughs> Daytona. Ooh, I racing, got it. Racing reference. And now Rodgers, that's got to be a gut punch. That they. That if you're Rogers Danica, is- I want to get married. Rodgers is like, no, 
And then within two years, Rogers is now engaged to this uh, actress. Much younger actress, too. That hurts. <laughs> that does hurt a little bit. Was it Shailene Woodley? Is that her name? I think so. Shailene yeah. Woodley? All right, so where is Danica now? Because, you know, the, the dating scene is very important on the show. According to Us Weekly, Danica Patrick and now her NASCAR driver and boyfriend Carter Comstock are together. Very oh, okay. serious. Another driver, okay. Yep. So how did this come together? Well, they went through a new relation. They went public last week. Very good. Changed their Facebook status. Apparently, they were set up by the co-founders of Beam, a direct-to-consumer wellness brand that both are investors in. Patrick and Comstock did it casually for a few months before making things exclusive in April. So they were set up by a third party. Sometimes these things work out. That's a nightmare. Why is it a nightmare? That's getting set up. Have you ever been set up with somebody on a date? I can't remember. I have. An honest answer. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. I think every single person I've ever gone out with, I met. I think I've told this story before. I think every single one of them I've met at a bar, uh, and there was at least one I met playing blackjack. Dude. That's it. Blackjack or bars. That's, that's my dating site, my dating service. It's true. I've been set up one time in my life. Angel, I'm very loquacious, man. Very handsome when I'm at a bar. It's just, you know, magnetic attraction. That's right. You were set up just one time. Yeah, one time. I, there was another attempt, but didn't, I, I wasn't interested. Um, but there was, <laughs> yes, there was uh, a setup. It was a nightmare. It was the worst experience. First off, so there's a chance that the person who set me up is actually listening, so they know this. They set me up with, it was my friend's girlfriend's cousin. Two hours late. I'm sitting there hanging out with my friend, though, so, like, it wasn't fine. We were just having drinks. But at that point, I'm like, this is done. Like, I'm not interested whatsoever. Not only two hours late, had the audacity to get mad that I didn't pay for the meal and made it known. Oh, wow. Get the hell out of here. I sat here for two hours. Nightmare. And, by the way, the whole time, talking about somebody who they may or may not currently be at the moment in a committed relationship with. I'm out. It was the worst experience ever. Well, I mean, this this one's different, right? I mean, Danica and the guy are in the same world. Yeah. So that helps. It does. And and Danica's so public. Like, the guy doesn't have... I mean, did Danica talk about Aaron Rodgers the whole time? Do you think? Oh, you think so? Early on? Well, the day of... Yeah. God. You're, you're so much better than yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what a breath of fresh air. Unlike Aaron. Right. By the way, I lied on the... Dating. I don't know what dating. What dating is officially? I guess I've met a couple of people. I did pull the "Don't s where you eat" move a couple of times. Yeah. So, a couple of couple of work meetups, but the the initial chatter may have been at a bar, so it may fall under my bar heading. <laughs> Everything's about bars. Right. It's a comfortable area. That's why I never understand when people here in town are like, "Oh, the dating. You can't meet anyone at a bar." I'm like, every single person I've met. You also have to have social skills. A lot of people don't have that. Oh, you have to like. You're pretty. Like, well, that doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) And then four sentences in, let's go home. Right. Oh, you don't want to? B. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or you can slow play it. Right. I don't want to be mean because I went on a rant. Was it yesterday or the day before about J Lo? Apparently, this is through intermediaries. I don't know that this is totally true. Um, who'd you say? Us Weekly? Yeah. People the other day said uh, A-Rod and J-Lo broke up because J-Lo just couldn't trust them. Just too much side action. And I was like, yeah. what did you think you were buying, signing up for? Of course. He's a nightmare. 
He's one of the biggest philanderers in the history of sports. You got to know what you're getting into. Well, you do. I did not that day. Well, it was a setup. I did not. All right, on the way back, I'm going to get you the latest on the uh, betting numbers on draft, some Oscar numbers as well as we're live here, Silver 7s, right next to the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. It's funny, we were talking baseball the other day, and the, the NL Central is... A little weird to start the season. The Reds were on top of the division at 9-7 and seven and was questioning at the time just a couple days ago, are they good? Yeah, I don't think they're good. And their pitching staff's getting destroyed. They're 9-9 nine and nine now. Today was ridiculous. 14-11 to 11 loss against Zona. It was 8-8, uh, eight, eight, which ain't great. Through 9, they went to extras, and then the uh, Cincinnati bullpen just got destroyed. Arizona, 6 in the 10th. They win 14-11. to 11. Odds here at William Hill in the pregame. Since he was favored at minus 140, and uh, I'm not a baseball betting expert, but I'm not laying 140 with Jeff Hoffman ever. I don't care if Tyler, check that, Taylor Widener is on the other side. These are both mediocre teams. But anyway, 14-11, you had uh, Peralta, seven ribbies. Reds hit six home runs in a game. They lost. Quite the indictment on the pitching staff. Uh, One other game of note happening right now. Yankees and Cleveland through five. It's three up. Yankees at William Hill were a slight dog in a couple of spots. Uh, Domingo Herman against Aaron Saval in that one. So fives, check that, threes in the fifth. So the betting here for the draft at William Hill, and it's going to be crazy this last week. We told you last week Justin Fields actually – Switched to the favorite to be the number three pick over Mac Jones. Uh, the number's still the same. At one point, Fields was plus 250, plus 225. He's still a 130 favorite, so the stuff the last day or so about Justin Fields dealing with epilepsy and having to be medicated to uh, fend off seizures hasn't seemed to affect the action on the play. So Fields is minus 130. Trey Lance, I guess, would be the long shot, plus 260. And Kyle Pitts, I think that would be a, a weird one if uh, – he went number three. It would mean that the Niners, they're not taking a tight end, but they would trade out of the spot. But you never know. Maybe the Jets or the Niners will decide, hey, we can get the quarterback we want. We can trade down. We can get some more draft stock, and uh, we're still going to come out of this pretty well. Uh, some other numbers out there. First, wide receiver picked. Heavy, heavy favorite now. This one has grown in size. Jamar Chase, the LSU wide receiver, and he could go anywhere from four to seven. Unless there's a shocker and someone is really in love with Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell. But Jamar Chase is minus 800. Devontae Smith's plus 550. And Jalen Waddell is plus 800. Uh, You can also bet, aside from, these are all the options you have at William Hill. Uh, You can bet the first linebacker chosen, defensive lineman, wide receiver, running back, defensive player, cornerback. Also options include over-under on the offensive players and defensive players, the total taken in the first round, over-under of 18.5 on the offensive players. Devontae Smith, who I just mentioned, is over uh, over under the 11th and a half pick. Uh, the over has a slight price on it. 
of minus 130. Uh, he just – well, it didn't just happen, but his measurables were out the other day. He's a little over six feet tall. He checked in at 166 pounds, and Von Tobel, people are starting to freak out. Are you freaking out? No. You don't think he's too slight for the league? You don't think he's going to get broken in half? You don't think he may have the inability to get off the line? I mean, I, I, potentially, but I also think that, again, when we talk about these things, we knew that this was going to happen. So, like, if your measurement, if the measurements that come out think that this is going to impact his draft stock, it's not because the, the teams knew about this, right, beforehand. So, again, like we talked about earlier with our guest from PFF, as we learn it, it's not the same rate at which the teams learn it, so that really shouldn't affect how often you look at these draft props and how much they adjust. Brady Popinga, who does a lot of media, played at BYU, played in the NFL. He said of uh, Devonta Smith, my concern with his small frame doesn't have anything to do with him getting off of press coverage. It has to do with taking the body blows over a 17-game span. Not worth a first-round pick? The Heisman winner? Out of the first round, according to Papinga. Arguably one of the best route runners in the, in the draft. Too many better valued wide receivers available. That's what he says. Nah, I'd, I'd be, I think I'm okay with that. And, by the way, the rules also kind of help you out there, right? There's no more like across the middle just getting destroyed because teams can't really do that without paying the price. So I think that kind of helps with some of these slight receivers. And in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage, there many different ways you can get smaller guys off the line of scrimmage without having to beat press coverage. Stacks, motions, like there's so many different ways to get them free off the line of scrimmage. In the Big Five, we're going to talk about the uh, latest breaking news with the Raiders, or at least Raider-related. Remember, uh, just a little while ago, they cut Arden Key. They cut Mohurst Key. All right, you know, he's underachieved. Sort of made sense. Mohurst, productive player, he has also signed, as Key did, with the 49ers. So that's coming up in about 15 minutes. I don't know that this is official. I also don't believe it is. But there's a lot of chatter out there that uh, not Jake Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul may have an exhibition fight booked with Floyd Mayweather Jr. June 5th. A dude from uh, The Athletic, Mike Coppinger, he's saying. He copped it. Well, no. Mayweather shared an Instagram post on Tuesday uh, listing five cities, not Coppinger, but he's making the report that it's June 5th. Uh, Vegas, L.A., Miami, Dallas, Atlanta. The conditions of this exhibition match, the Paul brother can weigh no more than 190. Mayweather can't weigh more than 160. You know what? I don't – if I'm Logan Paul – his weight can be unlimited. I mean, we know that Floyd stays in shape, and Floyd's a little guy. Yeah. You know, he's 5'6", and he walks around. He's never going to be heavier than like than 155. Right. Um, but, yeah, he has to be 160. Uh, the other Paul can't weigh more than 190, so pretty much guaranteed a 30-plus weight gap. Is this a fight? I think I want to see the fight, but I – if it's in Vegas, it'll be a big moneymaker, like a massive weekend. And by the way, in that case, the USC, I think, has one of its fight nights scheduled here. Um, well, there's no attendance right now. Well, no. You know what? Depending on what we, it yeah, is. Yeah, June 5th. We, ooh, that's another. June 1st, we open to 100%. Right. Would they do it in Vegas? Would we actually be able, like, if you're doing it at one of our big arenas, could you do 15,000 and let everyone in? No. Well, I, I, would they have the attraction? Right off the bat? I just don't know if they would have the attraction. Like, that'd be a 
attractive enough to get 15 Yes. Cash? You think so? Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition against one of these Paul Big Mouths? Yes. Uh, people would, yeah, you're right. People will do anything. I bought the freaking fight. I don't know if I would go. But. I want to follow up on this on the way back. Let's get to the 5 o'clock hour. We're live at Silver 7s. we got a lot more on Mo Hurst. we got more on LeBron James and his deleted tweet and his explanation. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7s Hotel and Casino.